piece of the missing Bible. <laughs> really, Jerry? Our guests are going to think, these people have lost their mind at this church. All this, you all, this is a party, right? This is a celebration. So we are, we are thankful that today, as we go into this message, we're going to be talking about a story that all of us have heard over and over and over again. And sometimes, every time I hear this parable and I think of this story, as Jesus is telling it, it's about the prodigal son. And many of us will say, I've heard that story. Preacher, you've even preached it here a couple times. Well, I think this is going to be my third. And yet, I think there's always some truths about God's Word that He can actually explain and, you know, bring to light in our lives. One thing that I love about His Word is that no matter how you read a Scripture verse, isn't it amazing that there's churches across America and they come from every different perspective. Thank you, honey. And uh, I don't call everybody honey. This is my wife. And, uh, but yet, when it comes to the different perspectives of any part of Scripture, I love to, as I dive into it, say, God, reveal to me today, show me today, what is it that you want me to see or somebody else to see in your word? Walking with Jesus. Having a closer relationship with God. What does that involve? How do we do it? Many of us can say it involves a total commitment, total dedication. Are we in the Word? Are we praying? Are we doing what we're supposed to do? Are we forsaking the assembly together as brothers and sisters? We come together for edification. We come together to encourage one another. We are always in search of that deeper relationship with God. And as I move forward this morning, as we look at Luke 15, really in all reality, I think that as I look into the scriptures, that it is a story of reconciliation. It is a story of forgiveness. It's a story of a father and a son where he comes back and has that deep relationship with his father. Many of us can attest and probably say that yes, we have some difficulties. Maybe there are some today that have some difficulties with your parents, with your family members, and you're thinking, how do I ever resolve this? Am I ever going to get to a place where that relationship will be built up again? Sometimes you just can't have those relationships, but yet you can have peace in your heart. If you would please, Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. We'll consider this morning how we might grow in spiritual health and get closer to God. Now, one might not think we need a reason to understand why getting closer to God is crucial in spiritual health, but let's just sum it up as follows. The further away you get from God, the more your life is troubled. Yet the closer you get to God, the more your life is transformed. I'm assuming that everybody in this room this morning has a desire to get closer to God. Because if that wasn't the case, you wouldn't be here today, right? Amen. But the Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone 
in his own way. Isaiah 53, 6. In other words, like sheep, we tend to do what? We tend to wander. So today we're going to talk about how to get close to God, how to stay close to God. And if you've fallen away from God, how do you get back into a close relationship with God? With a show of hands, how many of you would say, I want and I desire a relationship with God? Everybody in the room can say, I desire and today I came to church because that is my sole desire. We come together as a body to say, today we want to learn from the Word, we want to see truth from His Word, and yet, through all of this, we'll have a better relationship with God. We have a story in the Bible, how to get close to God and stay close to Him. And as I said before, it is the story of the prodigal son. And I hope that this morning that I can explain it with some clarity, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will allow your heart to hear and to stay attentive as the word is spoken, and yet you'll find hope and you'll find peace through his word. And that's why we've come to church today. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, thankful for your word. We are thankful that, Father, we can come, open up your word, feel your presence, sense your spirit, and know that, God, you're doing a work in and through our lives Father, we don't have all the answers, and so we seek you out today. And God, we ask that, that you will just show uh, discernment, understanding, Lord, as we seek out to have a closer and a deeper relationship with you. Father, I pray that this morning that you'll hide me behind the cross. Speak through me this morning. May your word not come back void, but may it prosper into the ears and into the hearts of every man, woman, and child. Father, thank you that we've come to this place to celebrate your goodness. In your name we pray. Amen. From this story this morning, out of Luke chapter 15, 11 through 32, four things we need to, get, we need to do to get close to God. And this is the pathway to spiritual transformation. So follow, if you would, please, with me. Verse 11. Here is the parable of... Of the lost son. And he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance and riotous living. And when he had spent all... There arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and, spare, and to spare, and have perished with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. So number one, we notice there's the kiss of reconciliation. And yet... 
we also notice there, there is the welcome of grace. We talked about amazing grace. We talked about just that desire. I love the song by Phillips Craig and Dean, He Ran to Me. And when it talks about the prodigal son, how he came to the father, he wiped the tears from his eyes, he embraced him, he loved him, and that's true grace, that's true love. And doesn't it make you feel good when you can forgive somebody? Not only is it good for the person that's asking for forgiveness, but it sure feels good when you can forgive someone and not have to harbor that bitterness in your heart. Verse 21. And this... And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servant, bring forth the best robe. And we see here this is the robe of righteousness which was reserved for the the guest of honor. And we notice they put it on him and put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. Don't you love how he reinstated him? There is the ring of sonship. It shows him, you know what, son, I love you. Here's a gift from me to you. Not only am I going to embrace you and love you and forgive you, here's what I'm going to, I'm going to treat you like royalty. You're going to get a robe, you're going to get a ring, and here you are going to be identified as my son, and I want everybody to see in the kingdom that I love you. So I love how that's just identified there. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. So we need notice there. Here's the feast for the celebration. The calf of satisfaction. And yet, we also notice here that he said this. Get everybody together. Because we are going to fellowship. And so they all get together and they have a great big party. And yet, there were certain steps that had to take place for all this to, to come out like it did. We see in verse 32, it was like, it reads this. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Let me draw your attention to verse 17. And when he came to himself. I want you to take your pen, if you would, please. Circle it in your Bible. If you have an iPad, an iPhone, an i whatever you have. Don't poke your eye, poke your screen, and mark it. Put this down like this. He came to himself. Nothing is going to happen in your life until first you get dissatisfied with things as they are. If you think you're just fine, then you can stay home over the next several weeks because nothing's going to happen until you recognize that you need change. You've got to get hungry. You've got to desire it. You've got to get anxious for a change. Nothing happens until you do what? Until you get fed. Or how about this? Nothing happens until you get fed up. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. For the Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 6, For they shall be filled. Are you there yet? If not, just give it time. God will go to work to develop a holy dissatisfaction in you. He'll let a little rain in your life. And if that doesn't work, he'll let a little bit more rain in your life. And if that does not work, he'll send a storm. Why does he do that? Because though God loves you just the way you are, he loves you too much to let you stay that way. To let you stay 
in that condition. He will do what he can to keep you from wasting your life. You've heard the old saying, and I don't know who actually wrote it, and it's anonymous, but it says this, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. But you can salt his oats and make him thirsty. God often makes you thirsty by putting salt in your oats, whether it's to bring you to him or bring you back to him. God will work to make you aware that you're headed in the wrong direction. He really doesn't have to do much because you'll be doing most of the work for him. When you're going away from God, you'll be your own worst enemy. Just like the young man in this parable. But just know that when you get fed up, when you decide you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's God knocking at your door. I loved on Facebook, there's a young man who I I met years ago, and uh, his name is Tim. And and today the Lord just laid it on my heart, so I was scanning through here this morning, and I wrote him an invitation. Because the other day he said, I'm fed up, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he said, today I change. I'm headed to AA. Well, all of a sudden, I wanted to jump jump around and have a party and everything else. And I'm thinking, and today we're having a party and he could be here. This is a celebration. We get to worship the Lord. We get to come back to him. And yet, often, we try to think we can get through some circumstances on our own. And I love what the prodigal did. Here's what he said. He had to come to himself. He had to realize he had sin in his life. He had to realize, I need to make some changes in order to have a deeper relationship. Isn't it something? We can covet. And even we can look way back in the Old Old Testament and Scriptures in Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are, are spelled out. And he says, do not covet. And yet, right off the bat, here's this parable. Here's the prodigal son. And what is he doing? Coveting. I want everything right now. Isn't that typical of a young person? They don't have a clue. They don't even know, what is money? You know, you've been such wonderful parents, and you've been able to provide for them, and then all of a sudden, 18 comes about, you look at them and say, there's the door, see ya. And they look at you scared. My 20-year-old daughter, if I said, here's the door, see ya, she'd look at me and go, Dad, are you kidding me? What am I going to do out there? She's used to it, right? If she goes with mom and dad, she wants mom and dad to still pay for her meal. That's Caitlin for you. But that's all of us. I used to love, my dad came before he passed away six years ago. My dad came to a service here. It was pastor appreciation. And uh, it was great because I knew that we were going to go to Longhorn, and I love my Flo's Filet, and I thought, this is great. I didn't care. Let's see, I'm 44 now. It was 36, then 37. And uh, I said, he's going to buy my meal. And he did. So I was excited. But you know what? You never change that role, do you? God always loves his children. He loves you. And he desires to have a relationship with you. So number one, You've got to get fed up where you're at. In order to change, you've got to say, God, I've got to make some changes. And so we noticed in verse 17, he did what? He came to himself too. You've got to own up. In verse 18, it says there, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned. Circle that. Number two, put in little letters, I have sinned. And what he was saying is, I own up to my sin. 
That's the second thing that this young man did. And nothing is going to happen until you do what? Until you own up. A lot of people today are fed up, but they want to blame something or someone else for their dissatisfaction. So they look everywhere, but to God, but to God to fulfill them. They look everywhere else, but to God to help them out. They blame others for their troubles. They blame God for their troubles. They look everywhere else but to themselves for someone or something to blame them for their trouble, troubles. Notice how you spell blame. B-lame. That's blame. Don't be lame and don't blame. It's being lame when you blame other people or things for your spiritual condition. The reason your life is a mess is because you're living life your way. And guess what? Here's the news flash for today. When it comes to life, you don't know what you're doing. Only the author of life can guide you in a living and loving life to the fullest. That's why he's been doing what? Salting your oats. As we mentioned earlier, he's calling you to get fed up and to own up to the fact that your problem is going your own way instead of God's way, instead of his way. The Bible calls this sin, and sin is what separates us from God. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you. The prophet knew what he was saying. He also said in Isaiah 59, There's nothing wrong with God. The wrong is in you. Whether I'm coming to God for the first time or returning to Him, I need to own up to the fact that my problem is I've been going my own way other rather than God's way. I need to admit my sin and recognize that forgiveness is available because God paid the penalty for my sin by Christ's sacrifice, where at? On the cross. And I need to admit my sin and turn to God. Listen closely. The problem with too many people is that they are not fed up. But once you're sufficiently fed up, you will own up. And you will say, I've been going my own way way too long. And today, I've got to turn my heart, my soul, and my mind back to God. When I do that, what is God's response to my facing up to my sin? Here's what he's going to do. He freely forgives you. He says, you are forgiven. What a wonderful thought. I remember a lady who was dealing with some substance abuse, and it was actually a family member of ours. And I remember I got a phone call, went over there. It was late one evening. And um, as I got there, she had had too much to drink. She was laying on the bed, and she was crying out, God, help me. I can't live this way any longer. And it was at that moment that I started noticing, not just sobering up from the alcoholism, but I was noticing she was sobering up from some of the anxiety, the resentment, and some of the blame that she was placing back on God. She had to take responsibility for her actions. It's amazing to me how we tell our kids, daughter, come over here. I don't have any son, so I have four daughters. I'll do it like this. Daughter, come over here. Did you do that? No. 
Do you remember doing? No, I forgot. No, I didn't hear you. That's just the thing between my wife and I. My daughter, I didn't hear what you said, Dad. Isn't that lame? <laughs> really? I didn't hear a word you said. I know you never hear a word I said. Turn your hearing aid up. But we look at our children, and here's what we say to them. Listen, Dad loves you. I just don't want you to get hurt. There's consequences for your actions. But you must repent before I can forgive you. Did you do it? Yes, Daddy, I did it. You know, and that's, that's every child. That's every adult Christian. We can't grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ until we fess up and own up for what we've done in our lives. We're so easy, and it is so easy, to blame others. Here's what Psalm 51 verses 1 through 4 says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my sin and my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is ever before me. I love the the part of the psalm that says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. May I be like you in all thy ways. May all of us desire to be like him. When you own up to your sin, you recognize that your problem is that you are in rebellion going your own way as opposed to God's way, which leads you to cleanse and forgive you. And it hinders you from that. God wants to cleanse you. He wants to forgive you. And He will do that. He says if we shall confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just to forgive us. And then to do what? To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Say this with me. I want to be free today. In Jesus' name. Isn't that awesome? There's power. In the name of Jesus. Number three, you've got to offer up. In verse 19, it says this, And am no more worthy to be called thy son. Now circle this. Make me as one of thy hired servants. He said there, make me. If you want to draw close to God as one coming to him for the first time, or as one who is returning to him, you need to offer up your life to him. This is the third thing that we find this young man did. He got fed up, which he came to his senses. He owned up. He said, I've sinned against God. And then what did he do? He offered up. Notice in verse 12, Jesus said, The son drifted away, saying, Give me. So when you go back, and I even circled it in my my Bible, he started off even this story and said, Here's what I want. I want you to give to me. But here in verse 19, as he comes back to his father, he says, Make me like one of your hired servants. Now that's transformation. That's a change. See, when your heart moves from self-centeredness to God-centeredness, things start to take place. Transformation doesn't happen overnight. But there is a decision that starts the process. I love what the Greek word actually means. And we know we're not Greek in this room. 
But I have to just explain this Greek word. The word means transformed is called metamorpho, which is found in the Greek word. It is the word from which we get the word metamorphosis. What is a metamorphosis? It's when a caterpillar becomes a chrysalis and then goes from a chrysalis into a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. Did I, I'm not a science teacher, but I think I spit it out there. And it doesn't happen overnight. There's that stage when it forms a little cocoon, and then what happens? It breaks out and becomes a butterfly. Things start to change. I love, I love that story. God made you to be a butterfly. God made you to soar. But you've got to go through the transformation process. And the transformation is a process. But the starting point is what the prodigal son says, make me. That offers up. He said, make me. That transformed him. And then he said, change me. God, I don't want to live the rest of my life the way I'm living right now. Change my life, oh God. We've come to church today, and I I have to say that even in my own life, I don't want to be the same man that I was last year. I don't want to be the same man that I was even last week. I want to be a man who's transformed to be more like Christ. Sometimes that takes accountability. Accountability. People don't want accountability today. What do you mean? Are you saying that to me, Pastor? How dare you? Mm, I'll show you I'm leaving the church. I'm out of here. I'm going to take everything that I have and I'm busting through the doors. Because people don't want to change. You see, there's a process. There's a cocoon. There's, there's a time of incubation. There's a time of growing. And then all of a sudden, God blesses your life. No, the message isn't about being a butterfly. The message is about change. I love what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then we also notice in verse 1 it says this. Here's what Paul said when he spoke about transformation. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Here's what he said. In the message amplified, even though I, I preach out of the King James, I wanted you to hear this kind of paraphrased this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, your ordinary life, You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Isn't that amazing? God, I get up today and I'm going to sacrifice my life. Today, it's all about you. Lord, today, I'm not going to eat, I'm going to fast. Lord, when I go to work today, I'm not going to get mad on my way to work in the traffic for today, I'm going to transform from my end to your image. I promise there won't be any sign language going on to the other people in the cars. I promise when I get to work, I will honor my boss. I will show him or her love and respect. And by the end of the day, when I get together with my family, I'm going to show forgiveness, love, and kindness. That's 
how I'm going to live out my life today. It's going to be my offering for you. Are you a living sacrifice? Do you give up all you have for Him? No transformation will happen until you offer up your life to God. When you get to the end of yourself, you get to the beginning of God. Today is a new day. It's God's day. And now we notice the Father's response. Verses 20 through 23. And he arose and came to his father. When he, when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto, fa- unto his father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it And let us eat and be merry. Notice he didn't wait for the son to come home. While he was still a distance off, here's what happened. The father ran out to where he was. You see, God is waiting for that same moment in your life. God's waiting for you to come back home. I know that there's been circumstances and hardship and difficulties and resentments and you, you have stories you could probably share. I hear stories every week why people aren't in church. Oh, I'm not going to church because I'm bitter at X, Y, Z. I'm not going to church because that's what that guy did to me. Well, take your focus off yourself and put it back on God. And you'll start to notice some change will take place. God is waiting For this moment in your life. He's waiting for you to get fed up with your life as it is. To own up to your sin. And to offer up your life to him. And when you do he is ready to receive you. But notice what he invites you to do when you come to him. A party starts to take place. In the background we hear. Why? Not really. Uh, We start hearing music. And and there's excitement. and, And all of a sudden you. How many of you guys enjoy parties? Not putting it on, but going to a party. My daughter is a social butterfly. Me, Dad! By the way, last night in my office, let's see, it's 9 o'clock. Dad, can I go over to Jessica's? Listen, I want to go over there. They're having a party. My response was, no, you cannot go. That was easy. Because there's, there's fun there. There's excitement. She's our social butterfly. If she... This summer, I... How many you were you home at all this summer? <laughs> Just kidding. Because she loves people. She loves to be around people. That's Lindsay's life. So you need to realize that there's a party and a celebration. So you, then you ask yourself, well, how do I get close to God? Whether I need to come to Him or return to Him, the path is basically the same. One, I get fed up. I own up and then I offer up. But if I'm going to remain close to God... Here's my last point. You've got to lift up. Verse 24, here's what they said. So they began to be merry. They celebrated. They had a party. Say thank you to God. Thank Him for His grace. Thank Him for His love. Thank Him for His goodness. Lift up your praise. Through lifting up our praise and thanksgiving to God, we stay close to Him. Don't come to church going, man, it's another service in New Hope. <laughs> no. 
Walking with God means, you know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Come to church and get excited. The Holy Spirit's here. God is here. And when He is here, then we have the great privilege and and, an opportunity to meet Him, and He loves us. Yet, we come in and we're dragging. I understand. It is difficult. In the society we live in, it's hard to get motivated. It's hard to get moving. And yet, I really do believe, too, we have so much baggage and burden in America today that it's hard to really get our worship on, get our praise on. As some said, mm-hmm, you need to get that praise up in you, you know what I'm saying? We have to get our praise on. Man, we have a lot to be thankful for. Are you thankful that you're not freezing right now? Now, you came in a little cold, but you're comfortable now. Praise the Lord. And if it was hot, we praise the Lord for the air conditioning. We're not sitting in dark. And what would happen if all of a sudden we had no sound? You wouldn't hear a humming. Praise the Lord for that, too. So you have all that to be thankful for. You're sitting next to the one you love, embracing that individual and no greater place than to be than here instead of there, where maybe you're separated. And so God has blessed that you're here. We have a lot to be thankful for. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In who? In Christ Jesus. Concerning you, and you, and you, and you. He loves you. Ephesians 5.19 says, Sing songs from your heart to Christ. Speak in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20 says this, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of Almighty God. Are you fed up? Are you tired? Are you just at a place in your life where you're at the end of yourself? God wants to do something in you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's saying this, well, hey, admit you're a sinner. Two, believe. That God sent His only begotten Son. Three, confess the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple. God wants you changed. And I hope that you can say every week that you come to church, that you could say, you know what, God, I noticed in your word today that you spoke to me. You know what, I I love that sometimes when people have their Bibles, you know, I'll, I'll be reading the Scriptures, and then all of a sudden I notice this. Because you know what that means? That the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. That you're trying to find maybe a scripture, something that correlates with that scripture. Or better yet, you're saying, is pastor really preaching doctrine? No, just kidding. Uh, but no, you have a desire and you're seeking him. You're in his work. As a pastor, I have to be, a, be the cheerleader. I have to be the conductor, the instructor, the guy who stands up and says, let's just give the Lord a praise today. Instead of, Oh, I made it here today. It's been rough. 
No. God wants all your praise. Let's take our self-centeredness and turn it to God-centeredness. Can you correlate? Can you see some things in your life maybe that you can say, I do, I relate to the prodigal son. I've been there. I accepted Christ at 9, baptized at 13, surrendered to preach at 15, went through my teachings, uh, Bible, and then here I am today. And even though I look back on all of my life, the teachings, the Word, uh, being separated, sold out, a soul winner for Jesus Christ, I still can say, yep, Lord, that's me. I need to come to you. I have to come to myself. Because let me tell you something. As Peter says, he's like a roaring lion seeking about whom he may devour. He wants to destroy you. And he wants you to live with the pigs. He wants you to eat the corn just like the pigs. But today, this isn't a prosperity gospel message. It is identifying where God wants you to be. And I just have to say that today, I am fed up with sin. I'm fed up with the churches in America that are preaching the gospel, that are more concerned with so many other things that are going on instead of the Word of God. Thank you, Father, for your Word. He says, Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. He, he loves that you'll open up His Word. Yes, I do myself. I have to say, Father, forgive me, because I too have gotten too busy to open up your Word today. Yes, I left you on the shelf. But Father, I haven't forgotten to check Facebook, my Twitter and Instagram and all the other junk that happens to be on that phone that we need to bust. Although I have all that. What would we do without business? But yet, there's all kinds of distractions. So I ask you, are you fed up? If you're fed up, then own up. Are you willing to own up? Then offer up. Are you willing to offer up? Then accept the Father's invitation to life and remember to praise Him and to be thankful. It is our season, October, November, a season of thanksgiving to Him. Lift up and watch the difference God will do in your life. He'll change your life. There's an old song that says by Bill and Gloria Gaither, let's just praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. Let's lift our hearts and our hands toward heaven and praise the Lord. What a beautiful song. It's a little chorus, but it means so much. Maybe you've never done this before. I want you to take your hands and I just want you to lift them up like this. I want everybody in the room to do this. Let's just lift up and say, Father, I praise you today. Amen. And let's give him a praise offering. God is good. And all the time, he is good. And I'm thankful that today we came to his church, his sanctuary, to praise him. Thank you, Father, for your love for me, a sinner saved by grace. Let us all stand as we close together. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Lord, and we're just so thankful for your word. We're thankful, Father, that we can identify with the parable. As you said, man, don't just walk. You ran to him. 
He leaped into your arms. You wiped the tears from his eyes. And you gave him hope beyond imagination. Father, I hunger for you today. Father, I come hungry before you today. And Lord, I pray that those in this room will be able to surrender. Come to a place where they say, today I can be free. For he's already gone to the cross. And I'm free because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for this celebration. Thank you, Father, that we can come to your house, Lord, to open up your word. And to sing songs like, I love you, Lord. Amazing grace, my chains are gone. Father, thank you that you've freed us. You've delivered us. Father, in our sinful state, in our unrighteous state, Father, we're fed up. Lord, would you uplift us today? Father, we praise you. We thank you. And we love you. And if there's somebody here today, God, move in their life. Today's their day of deliverance. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.